All right, all right, all right. Welcome to our series on restoring the roar. How many of you know sometimes we need the roar restored in our life? Come on. Sometimes uh, our Detroit Lions need the roar restored in their lives too. I'm just, they're undefeated, yes. I'm just believing for some good things today. Come on, how many Lions fans do I have here today? Anybody Lions fans? All right, cool, awesome. All right, I'm a Lions fan through and through. I bleed blue and blue. All right, so... Um, we wanted to start this, this next series off um, by talking about restoring the world. You know, if you hear last week, we talked about the dream that God has in our heart. We talked about how God has placed a dream in all of our hearts, and this is a season of restoration where God is actually restoring some dreams back to us. We're dusting off some things, we're rehearsing some things, we're renewing some things, and this is an absolutely amazing season that we find ourselves in. And so we found that, that, that this dream concept kind of marries the restoration concept because we really believe that we are in a season of restoration. And what I mean by that is that, is that if you've lost some things, maybe some time, some finances or some health or some years or maybe some relationships, I really believe that this is a season when God is fixing things. How many know we serve a God as a fixer, okay? And so it's amazing. And so we're just believing that this is a season where God is actually doing these things. Because if you read the scriptures from, from Genesis to Revelation, you see that God is always working on restoring things. You see, he takes beauty or ashes and he turns them into beauty. And I just believe with all my heart that this is that season where God is restoring some stuff. And so there's three big ideas we want to get in this series. And that's the first thing is that God wants to restore everything that was stolen from you because that's what the scripture says. It's not what I'm saying. That's what the scripture says. Now, if you believe that, somebody needs to say amen. All right. All right so then you can expect restoration if you look to God for restoration. If you look to yourself for restoration, how many of you know we're going to let ourselves down? But if we look to God for our restoration, then we know God is the restorer. And here's where we got to take ourselves off of our own throne and put God on the throne and allow him to bring the restoration, right? Okay, and so then, then this, the last thing I want you to get in the big idea here is that God, when God restores, he always restores greater in quality and greater in quantity. He has this way of bringing restoration. I didn't say this. Uh, I haven't said this in a while, but I think about my sister who lost her first husband. Um, he was 34 years old, and we never thought, who, who can live through that? I mean, with three kids and, and he, a young, beautiful man, okay? And here she is, you know, 15 years later, remarried, thriving in ministry, thriving in marriage, because God knows how to restore greater in quality and quantity. Come on, somebody, all right? So the scripture reference that we're going to use today is going to be found in 1 Peter chapter 5. A lot of you guys might know the scripture. And so we'll just start reading it here and, and just, just follow along because we're going to see today how we can be strengthened, how we can be restored, and how God actually does this in our life. Who'd say to me right now, just real quickly, um, yeah, there's a few things that I could use to be returned back in my life. Let me see your hand. Okay. All right. Awesome. Just about all of you guys. This is awesome. So... So great. So maybe it's a pat on the back. Maybe it's a, uh, a lost coin or a, a lost relationship. Whatever the case is, I just believe we are in a season of restoration. All right. So 1 Peter chapter 5, notice what it says. It says, be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, 
firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. One of the enemy's traps is always to get us to think that we're the only ones going through this. We're the only ones that experienced this loss. We're the only one that lost that job. We're the only one that lost that relationship. We're the only ones. How many of you ever experienced that, right? But I want you to know, this, the scripture tells us that no, your brotherhood around the world are experiencing the exact same thing. So don't consider yourself alone. That can be comforting. But now notice verse 10. And after you have suffered a little while, this is the part that we don't like, after you've suffered a little while. How many have you ever been in an after little while and you just couldn't wait to get out of that season? Come on. How many of you feel like you are in one of those seasons, right? After a little while, I believe that we are. I believe a lot of us are coming either out or we're in the middle of this after this little while part right here. And I believe the Lord is getting ready to do some pretty amazing things, all right? And so, you know, when you're in this after the little while part, okay, it's like you're stuck. You just, you feel stuck and you don't know what to do or, or you can't see your way clear, okay? I, I, know I, I shared this once before about a time when I was on an airplane and um, just, it was a two and a half hour flight and, um, and it just was a really, really uncomfortable flight. Have you ever been on a flight where it's just uncomfortable, right? And it was uncomfortable and, and it was somebody, somebody on this flight must have had an issue or sickness or something because like every 10 minutes, this, this, this foul smell would fill up the air cabin, okay? And so it just would just one every 10 minutes. And so everybody in the area is getting, you can tell they're getting restless. Nobody wants to point to everybody, you know, who, who's responsible. Come on, are you guys with me? You know, you've all been in a situation just like someone just passed a gas in this room. This is awesome. Okay, this is terrible. And so you're 30,000 feet in the air. You have two hours before you land. What can you do? You just say, after a little while. Come on, somebody. After, after a little while. This thing's going to pass, okay? After a little while. So, and, and here's, you know, you may be in an after a little while season right now. Maybe it's a financial situation. Maybe it's a relational situation. And here's the, the deal. That enemy who roams around like a roaring lion wants you to quit wants you to give up hope, wants you to stop your forward progress. Come on, are you getting this? He wants you to stop, but I'm here today to encourage you to restore the roar in your life. Come on. All right, so he says here, but after you have suffered a little while, we all go through, the, through these little whiles. I'll share a little bit at the end of the message today. The God of all grace, I love this, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Look at this fourfold promise he gives us. He will restore. That means make useful again. That means to make fresh again. Some of us just need to be made fresh again, all right? And I'm not just talking about putting on deodorant. Come on. I'm talking about we need to be made fresh in our outlook, fresh in our hope, fresh in our desires, okay? He would restore. He would confirm. I love this. This means make the record straight, how many need the record straight? Come on. All right. He will make the record straight. He'll strengthen you. That makes, means make you physically strong. And he'll establish you. That means put you on a firm foundation. So this way, anything that comes at you, you are able to take. This is the life that God has for us. Anybody want this kind of life, all right? That we would be established. That we would not be moved. And so for the next few weeks, we're talking about four areas of our life throughout this series. We're going to restore the roar of our health. Some of us, 
Some of us has had our health robbed from us, and I believe we're in a season where God wants to restore our health to us. Yes, you can get your health restored naturally and going to the doctor, and I'm all for that. But I want you to know something. There is a supernatural part that God can do. We're going to talk about Holy Communion next week. And I'm telling you, when you do Holy Communion, the Lord's table, as some of you know, healing can be the result. And so we're going to talk about restoring health next week. It's amazing. Then the week after that, we're going to talk about restoring honor, honor where maybe you've been misrepresented or maybe the truth has been withheld about something about your life and it's, and it's been very hurtful. People believe lies about you. I believe we're in a season where God is restoring honor to people. Come on. Then the third thing we're going to talk about is finances. We're going to talk about how God can restore you financially. Listen, even if you make a bad financial decision, because we said last week, God is not limited to our bad choices. How many know he's bigger than all of our bad choices, all right? He's a miracle God. He's a God that turns our messes into miracles, and we're going to talk about that throughout this series. But today, I want to talk about the most important component of restoring the roar, and that is restoring the roar of joy in our life joy and not happiness joy restoring the roar of joy hey how many of you've ever had something like a joy sucker in your life come on all right let's just do this we're we're we're, we're just we're a little family right over here help me out what's a joy sucker in your life come on cancer is a joy sucker that's a big one how do you follow up with that one man holy cow that's true another another joy sucker financial yeah other joy suckers, come on. Stress, Stress. come on. Work. Work can be a joy, stru- joy sucker. <laughs> Somebody else, come on. Losing a loved one. Losing a loved one. Man, that's, that's got to be really hard right there, right? How about other people's negative opinions about you? Yeah. Right? How about uh, somebody taking something you said out of context? <laughs> Where is you today? Come on. I mean, yeah, that's very, that sucks the joy right out of you, doesn't it, okay? So, but listen, what if I told you, what if I told you today that there was a way for you to never, ever lose your joy? What if I told you that? I mean, we're talking about joy. Have you ever experienced a loss of joy in your life? Come on, right? What if I told you that there's a way that you could never, ever lose your joy again? If I could put that in a bottle or a pill, would you buy that? Okay, well, I have something better than a bottle or a pill, all right? How many want to know what that bottle or pill is, right? You've got to wait till the end of this message, all right? All right, okay. So here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the importance of joy in the life of a Christian, the life of a person that calls himself a Christian. You may be here today, and you're not a Christian, and that's Okay. And I hope that by the end of this message, you become one. Because when you hear some of the things I'm about to share with you, I promise you, you probably have never heard the things that we're going to say today. Because being a Christian is so much more than just going to heaven. Heaven is an awesome place. But it is so much more than that. All right, look at this. Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 3. Notice what it says here. And you'll see the importance of joy. And we're going to see why this is so important, right? Notice what it says here. uh, Isaiah 12 verse 3. Therefore, with what? Therefore, with what? With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. With joy, you're going to draw. 
with joy you're going to draw from what God has for you. The wells of salvation is not just going to heaven. The wells of salvation is all the Bible promises, all the, the overcoming life that God has for us today, the truth, the victory, the hope, the dream restored. This is what this is saying. With joy, we're able to draw from the wells of salvation and live the life that Jesus came to give us. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundant. Come on. It's the thief that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. We read it earlier. He roams around like a roaring lion looking to steal, kill, rob you of joy, rob you of happiness, rob you of those things. But Jesus came to give us life. But now notice what it says here. It says, with joy you draw from God. With joy you draw from the benefits that God has for us. So I want you to picture a well, one of those old wells with a crank and it's got the rope and, and the bucket that goes down into the water, okay? So think about this. The well of salvation is the water, right? And the bucket grabs the water, and, and it, you bring it to yourself so you could drink or you could participate in it, right? And the crank is joy. So watch this. So if you start cranking with joy, you draw. When you stop cranking, you don't draw. Are you getting this? You crank, you draw. You don't crank, you don't draw, right? So very simple. With joy, you draw. Listen, without joy, there is no drawing. Are you following me? Why do you think that this is the area the enemy attacks the most? Because if he can attack your joy, then he can attack your faith. And if he can attack your faith, then he can rob you of the all things are possible life that Jesus came to give us. But if we can attack this, if we can say, wait a minute, wait a minute, I've got to protect my joy I have to make sure that I can restore the roar of my joy because there are some promises. There's a life that God has for me, a life that God has for my family, a life that God has for my children that I want because that is the life that he's come to give us, right? But with joy. Come on, do I have any crankers in here? Come on, everybody, come on, just start cranking. Crank with me. The joy of the Lord is going to be our strength here today, guys, okay? All right. So now let's talk about the difference between, between joy and and happiness, all right? Because they're two different things, all right? How many of everybody wants to be happy today? <laughs> Don't worry, be. <laughs> okay, everybody wants to be happy. We all want to be happy. I want to be happy. You want to be happy. But happiness is dependent upon a happening. If something happens, then you get happy. So if something doesn't happen, then what? Then we're not happy. So happiness depends on a happening so happiness can be up it can be down if you get enough likes on your post you're happy if you don't get enough likes on your post then you feel like you failed in the social media realm right so okay so but it's up and down it's fleeting happiness listen hope listen happiness is like having a hole in your pocket and you're trying to stuff your pocket with money happiness can flee have you ever experienced happiness just fleeing like going to a lions game come on i was at that game in 2013 when the lions played the dallas cowboys and so somebody gave us these amazing seats we were right on the 30 yard line very first seat it was awesome calvin johnson was right there in front of me and matthew stafford was, I, I could almost reach up and high five him. it was awesome so we were excited because the the lions had a good team that year and they're gonna they're playing the dallas cowboys a famous team right and they actually it was a pretty good game so we were really excited we were happy that we got the seats we were happy that our team was doing really well right but then in the third and the fourth quarter what always happens come on 
<laughs> so, I mean, I went from here to here. So in the last two minutes of that game, they were losing. And they were, they were pinned back in their side of the, of the field. And so I told my brother, I said, I can't watch my team lose again. Come on. So I said, let's leave. So we, we left. And so we were down by the field. And so we had to walk all the way up. And so we got in that area, the vestibule area, where all of the, uh, the concessions were. And just as we got up there and we made the turn and there was these TVs, we heard the crowd roaring, like with excitement. Now, you know they're not excited because their team is losing, right? So, like, what's happening here? And so we went, you know, we're watching on the monitors and saw a miraculous play. The Lions ended up beating the Dallas Cowboys, like, in the last 30 seconds. So I went from being happy, sad, to happy again. Come on. And all this emotion. Are you following me? What if I told you that wasn't the will of God for your life? What if I told you it wasn't the will of God to be up and down, up and down? How, what if I told you it was the will of God for your life to be so solid that whatever comes against you, nothing can take you down? That's the will of God for the Christian. That's the will of God for one who calls themselves a Christian. All right, so the difference between happiness and joy. Joy is not fleeting. Joy is not up and down. Joy is an inner force of gladness that God gives you, an inner force of gladness that despite what you see, despite what you feel, despite what you're experiencing, you are solid. And it's this joy that becomes your strength to take you through that little period of time. Come on. After a little while, it's the joy of the Lord that takes us through that time period. Are you following me? And so this is the reason why the enemy attacks this part right here so bad, okay? So I want to talk to you about how to restore joy back in Chile. I want to talk to you guys about, about what, is it, what does it take? What does it take to, to examine, to find out where I'm at, where that joy level is in my life? What are the joy suckers in my life? And what can I do to get to that place to where joy can never, ever leave my life ever again. I promise you, it's in the scripture. I'm going to show it to you here in a second, okay? So let's take a look at the first thing we've got to do. When it comes to talking about um, coming, leaving that place where you feel like um, you're in that little while, what's that first thing we've got to do when you're in this thing? Or when you feel like you're trapped in it? You feel like this, it's just, you're, you're stuck. Like you're in that, that environment where there's nothing you can do in fact, I'd even add this. If you could have pushed a button or pulled a lever, you'd have done it. But this is a situation where you need God to change. Come on, are you with me? And I believe this is the season that we're in right now. God wants to change some things in our life. We're in a season of restoration where he's restoring the roar in our life. All right, so how do I get this joy back? All right, here's the first place we've got to start right here. And I want to read this in Philippians chapter 3 and verses 13 uh, through 14. Now, notice what it says here in verse 13. It says, Dear brothers, I'm still not all that I should be. This is the Apostle Paul writing. He's at the end of his life. He's had this illustrious career. I mean, he's been to nations. He started churches. I mean, thousands of people have followed this guy. People have gotten healed in his ministry. People have gotten saved in his ministry. He's established hundreds of churches, hundreds of disciples, amazing career, okay? And notice what he says here. I am still not all that I should be. What an amazing attitude. 
You could do a whole message right here, okay? But watch what he says here. But I'm bringing all my energies to bear on this one thing. Somebody shout one thing. Come on. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Here's the very first practical thing we got to do when we're talking about restoring joy in our life. We've got to come to a place where we finally say to ourselves, I have to forget what happened to me. Come on. I've got to forget this. I got to move past this pain. I got to move past this hurt. I got to move past that that bad decision that I think that I've made. I've got to move past this once and for all. Now, I don't know about you, and if, if you can figure this part out, I think you can make a lot of money, but I haven't met one person who could go back into their past, change some things, and fix their future. Come on. Okay, it only happens in the movies. Hello. Okay, so, but, but it's impossible. So if we can't change our past, if we can't change what happened to us, here's a question I have. Why are we spending so much time thinking about it? Why are we spending so much time meditating about it? Why are we spending so much time hanging out there when we already know we can't change it? Listen, I'm just as guilty as the next person, all right? You're going to find out today that I'm a rehearser. Any rehearsers in here today? You just rehearse things over? I'm, I'm that guy in our family, okay? So we'll get to that in a second here. But listen, listen, this, is, this applies to everybody. I believe God is saying, you're here today, and you've got something. You're in this little while, and you're saying, when, God, when? I believe the Lord is saying, now. In fact, I even say he's saying, today. Today. That if you look past this, say, I'm not going to look past. I'm not going to look back anymore. I'm going to continue to look forward. There's a, there's a passage in the, in the Old Testament. It's awesome. It's a story. Thank you, Lord. It's a story where Moses is having this conversation with God. And Moses says to God, I want to see your face. And, and the Lord says, nobody can see my face, but here's what I'm going to do. In a minute, I'm going to walk by you. And when I walk by you, I'm going to put you in the cleft of a rock. And when I walk by, I will not let you see my face, but I will let you see my back parts. And that's the closest that Moses got to God. This is an amazing story. But if you read the story on its surface and you leave it there, you miss an amazing point. As I started to dig into this, I realized there was more to this story than, than just this. Because I thought to myself, why wouldn't the Lord let Moses see his face? And so when I started to study this and I dug down a little bit deeper, I found out that in the Greek, to look at somebody's face means to look at your past. But to look at somebody's back part means to look at your future. Here's what God was saying to Moses. I don't want you to look at my face and look back and see your past, your failures, your shortcomings. What I want to do is I'm going to put you in the cleft of this rock and I want you to see my back parts because your back parts is your future. Your future is so bright, is so big, you don't have time to look back. Come on, somebody. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome. Yeah, you can clap. It's okay. I'm, a, I'm that guy. I like it. I enjoy that. It's okay. Hey, turn to the person next to you and tell them, hey, hey, are you having fun? Come on, tell them. Come on. Fake it if you're not, at least. Come on, do that for me. All right. Fake it if you're not. All right. So here's the next scripture I want to leave you with. All right. So you got to forget the past. Proverbs 15, 23 says this. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> how, many ever, how many of you have ever given somebody a sourpuss answer before? Come on. <laughs> how many of you ever just 
vomited on somebody. Where would you know you shouldn't have vomited, right? All right. But this says right here, a man has what? Come on, a man has what? Out of the answer that comes out of his mouth. And this is really why I believe the, this is where when we rehearse stuff, this is what really hurts us, okay? Because when you get hurt by something, when you're in this, in this little while, this period, this period that really stinks, you find yourself constantly rehearsing a hurt, rehearsing a bad decision, rehearsing what somebody said, rehearsing how what you should have said, hello. Yeah. Have you ever had that conversation in your head, right? So I'm the rehearser. I'm the guy that when I overthink something, I'm rehearsing it. I'm thinking about it in the shower. Any shower thinkers here today? <laughs> so I'm thinking about it in the shower, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm rehearsing this in my head. I'm not only rehearsing it, now I start talking in the shower, and nobody's in the bathroom. Come on. And so then, then you, you know, then my wife will pop in. Who are you talking to? No, myself, right? And you know, so then, then I'll get out of the I'm starting to get dressed. I'm in the closet, and I start the rehearsal again. And then, who are you talking to, Dean? I'm sorry, I'm doing it again. And so this is very real, a hurt is very real. It causes us to rehearse and rehearse. And I have found that sometimes when you just stop the rehearsal, you can stop the hurt. Mm. And sometimes you need somebody in your life that will help you stop the rehearsal. I'm talking really good right now. And it might be your spouse. <laughs> It might be a coworker. It might be a friend. But you need somebody to say, let's stop talking about it. It changes things because the more we rehearse it, the more we keep that hurt alive. A man's mouth, what does it say here? A man's mouth has, a man has joy by the answer of his mouth. Isn't this awesome? So my challenge to you today, we're coming out of this little season of time. And if and you get anything out of this message, is making a, a point right now that we're going to forget the past. We're going to forget what happened to us. We're, we just need to forget it, and we're going to stop talking about it. We're going to stop rehearsing it. And, we're, and we're, if we have to put some people around us that can help us to stop rehearsing, then we need to do that. And listen, if there are people in your life that want to keep talking about it and want to keep talking about it, my suggestion to you in all humility is to stop spending time with those people. They'll get a hold of it. They'll, they'll, you can start connecting with them later until the hurt heals, right? But you, I would get myself away from anybody that just wants to keep talking about it and keep talking about it. God has a bright future for you, okay? You guys are with me today? All right, so what I want to share with you this last, this is the part that really is the, is the catch-all. This is the part that if we can get a hold of this last part, your joy will never wane. You'll always have joy in your life. This is like that pill, that thing you take. It'll change your life forever. If you've heard anything I say today, I want you to hear this part right here. Because this part here is, is amazing. When I saw this, it's, it's such a game changer, guys. When I saw this, I said, Lord, help me to convey this truth, okay? Because it's a, it's a period of time where Jesus is nearing the end of his ministry. And he sends these people out, his disciples and, and his workers. And he, they're out ministering all around the countryside. And they come back, and they're like, Jesus, this is amazing. You sent us out to preach. You sent us out to teach. You sent us out to heal. You sent us out to cast out evil spirits. And this is amazing. We had so much success. This is incredible. Yeah, and then they started, you know, and their, their little discussions of, yeah, but, you know, you didn't cast out as many spirits as I cast out. And you didn't heal as many people as I healed. 
You know, and so the bragging started, and you could just tell what, what happened in this environment. And Jesus, he's got to talk to all of his guys, and he's going to say, hey, wait, 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 guys, settle down, settle down. Listen, watch this. Then a 70, in, in verse 17, Luke 10, 17, then the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. They're saying, listen, this is incredible what we did. You sent us out. This is incredible what happened, the success that we had. Oh, my gosh, the accomplishment. This is amazing. And this is what Jesus says to them in verse 20. He says, nevertheless, don't rejoice in this. Isn't this interesting? Don't rejoice that you had all this success. Don't rejoice that you had this amazing, these amazing results in ministry. Don't rejoice in this. He said, don't rejoice that spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. This is awesome right here. Jesus was telling them, guys, listen, this was great. You did all this, but don't, 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 don't hang your hat on this because success comes and goes. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Success is going to be here one day. It can be gone the next day. So this can rock with your joy. But don't rejoice. Rejoice in something that will never change. Come on, somebody. Rejoice in the fact that your name is written in heaven. Come on. And as a Christian, rejoice in this. And this is where I want you to get. This is amazing because this is much more than just going to heaven. This is much more than just, hey, when I leave this earth, I'm going to go to heaven. Yeah, as a Christian, we have this amazing promise. We get to go to heaven. We get to spend eternity with God. And this is amazing. But what have I told you? What have I told you? It's a lot more than just going to heaven. What have I told you that when you become a Christian, that you come into right standing with God? That you come into a right relationship with God that doesn't begin in heaven, that it begins now. A relationship with God that isn't based on your past, but it's completely based on everything Jesus did. What about having a relationship with God? The Bible says that God made Jesus who knew no sin. Think about it. Jesus was not a sinner. He never sinned a day in his life. But the Bible says God made him who knew no sin to become sin. God made him sin. Why? Somebody shout, why? Come on, why, why, why? Why, why? So that you and I, who knew sin, could become right. Come on, somebody. So you and I, who know sin, not because of anything that we did, but because of what Adam did in the Garden of Eden, because of that sin, we are born into sin. And because of what Jesus did, he became sin so that you and I could become right. And we didn't do anything. Jesus did it all. We are right. We are right because of what Jesus did. Are you getting this? I'm in right standing with God. Listen, listen, listen. You will never, ever grow in your right standing with God. You can't. It's a gift. If you could grow in your right standing with God, then it wouldn't be a gift. It would be something that you worked on. This is a free gift. How many like getting free gifts? Come on. This was a free gift. It was given to us. Free. Absolutely free. This is amazing. And you come into this right relationship with God in this free way, in right standing, not apart of right standing apart from your works, right standing because of what Jesus did. Now listen, this tells you how much God loves you. Because when we start talking about, when we start talking about this, it's amazing. A vision of our church is to help people to discover God's unchanging love. You know why? Because God loves you all the time. 
He doesn't love you sometimes. He loves you all the time. And he loves you all the time, not because of what you did. He loves you all the time because of what Jesus did. Come on, somebody. Listen to this statement. This is the reason why you gotta rejoice because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You'll never know how much God loves you until you know how much God loves Jesus. Question, does God love Jesus? Come on, does God love Jesus? Does God ever say to Jesus, I'm sorry, you failed. I, I, uh, Jesus, bad thoughts came to your mind, Jesus. Uh, come on, uh, I don't have time for you, Jesus. Well, you didn't pray enough, Jesus. Come on, somebody. You didn't read your Bible today, Jesus. You didn't, you know, you didn't serve, Jesus. You didn't raise your hands in church, Jesus. God loves Jesus, yes or no? If God loves you less than he loves Jesus, he wouldn't be just. I know, you gotta get a hold of this, guys. That's the reason why this is such a game changer. When I talk about your name is in the Lamb's book of life, you are in God. God is in you. He loves you and he will never stop loving you. God's love is not conditioned about how much you pray, how much you serve, what you do or what you don't do. God's love for you is completely and 100% based on everything that Jesus did for you. Isn't that awesome? So when I say that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, that's what this means. And when you know that God loves you like this, you want to be close to the one who loves you the most. You want to be close to the one who believes in you the most. Anybody have somebody in your life that you really know really believes in you? Okay? And don't you go out of your way to be with the person that believes in you? Okay? I have a team of people on this, this, this Revolution Church team. It's an amazing team. And, and each one of them, each one of us, we go out of our way for each other because we believe in each other. Are you getting this? When you know somebody believes in you, you will go out of your way. You will spend more time with that person. That was the whole purpose of God wanting the whole world to know that he would send his one and only begotten son for you. Because if you would get a hold of this, that God's not standing in heaven with his arms folded waiting for you to make a mistake, that God is actually in heaven saying, you're my son. You're my daughter. I know you have some failure. I know you're in this season of this little while, but I'm still for you. I'm still going to help pull you out. Don't look back to your failure. Don't look back to the sin. Don't look back to anything. I'm pulling you out of this mess. How many of that's good news? Come on. That's what he's saying. I love you all the time. We used to say that God is good and all the time. How about this one? God loves you. It doesn't change. If God's love for me changes, now I become unstable. But God's love for us never changes. That's why one of the cornerstone scriptures of this ministry is 1 John 4, 16, that we would know and believe in the love that God has for us. We spend our whole life trying to say, Lord, I love you, Lord, I love you, and failing in our love for him. Why not join this revolution to say, Lord, I'm going to come over here. You love me. You love me and you love me. And I promise you, you will find the most stable place in your walk with God that you have ever found when you understand how much God loves you. Why not join this revolution? Your name 
is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Isn't that good? Now, sometimes you just got to do this too. You got to understand that when you know that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and God loves you like this, it really doesn't matter what you go through. It really doesn't matter what season you're in. That little while. Except when I was on that airplane with that foul smell. Come on. I wasn't thinking God loves me on the airplane. Come on, somebody. I was not thinking that. But when you're in a loss of a loved one, battling cancer, somebody stole from you, I was, you know, somebody watched one of the videos we have online, and I was going into the Ace store. I had my, I had the t-shirt on that, that I did the video in, and, um, and I was just minding my own business, and I needed to buy some supplies for the house. And so there was this, this family that was uh, loading up their truck by the curb, and I was just minding my own business, and just, you know, my mind was on what I had to buy. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Your head's down, and you're just focused, right? Um, and so I walked by, and this guy... He's loading his car, and he goes, oh, hey. And it was just a little too friendly. You know what I'm talking about? You ever had somebody say, just a little too friendly? Right? I just went, oh, okay. So I, I, I kind of sidestepped it a little bit, and I'm just like, hey, what's up? And, um, oh, no, no, oh, hey. I was like, oh, man, I'm going to get in trouble right now. So, so he says, no, 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 no. I saw your video online. I was like, oh. He, and this is funny. He didn't say, I didn't recognize you. I recognize your T-shirt. Come on, somebody. I said, okay, after I got over my insult. Um, so he said, he said, uh, no, 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 you don't understand. I saw the video where you were talking about restoration, where you were talking about how um, God was going to restore losses and how I just, we just need to get past this, and this is the season when God is going to start turning some things around. And you have no idea how much that video blessed me. He's, I never met this man before. He, he heard about us at the gas outreach that we did. And he said, I went home and I watched that video six times. He says, it spoke to me so clear. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. And then he starts to open up to me on the sidewalk, right there in front of Ace. And he starts to tell me his life story, how he was really robbed by his family in an amazing way. I mean, when you hear the story, you're just like, wow, who would do that? It was amazing. But he just said, you know what? I'm coming out of it. Come on, somebody. He said, I'm coming out of it. I just believe God is going to not only restore the money, but he's going to restore the relationships. He's going to restore everything. How many of you know we serve a God who restores? Come on. But sometimes in the middle of that season, that little while, sometimes in the middle, not only do you have to remind yourself that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you have to remind yourself that God loves you all the time. But sometimes in the middle of the storm, sometimes in the middle of the season, you just need to say hallelujah. You need to just raise a hallelujah, okay? That's why I love that song. We're going to sing this song. I want you to stand up because I'm going to have the band sing this song with us again. I'm going to read a scripture because I'm going to close the service today with this song and with this scripture, all right? A lot of you know this, this verse. Philippians 4, 4 says this. It says... Rejoice in the Lord always. always. Come on, rejoice in the Lord. What? Always. Now what does he says? Look what he says here. Again, I will say what? Now you know what rejoice means? Rejoice means to have joy, and your joy is kind of kind of emptied out a little bit, 
And it means that you need to back your truck up a little bit and fill up on a little more joy and then get going again. That's what rejoice means, okay? Are you guys with me? And sometimes one of the best ways we can rejoice is to just raise a hallelujah right where we are. Sometimes just rejoicing is reminding ourselves my name is written in the Lamb's book and God loves me all the time and I am not alone, okay? Sometimes it just takes that. So here's what I'd like for us to do. I want us to rejoice again. Can we do that? We're going to raise a hallelujah. Sometimes whatever situation that you're in, here's what I believe. I believe that as we sing this song, I believe that we can just, I want you to visualize you're raising a hallelujah in the middle of your season, this little thing that's coming to an end. I feel like prophetically to tell you it's coming to an end. I feel like it's coming to an end. Come on. I'm going to say it again. It's coming to an end. All right, this season is passing. It's coming to an end. But let's just take a little time here, because we're early, to raise a hallelujah. Can we do that? Come on, band, lead us, guys. Sing the song. Sing along with us, and let's believe God to do some awesome things right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Wow. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I just pray for every person that's here right now. Lord, that you'd pull us out of that mess. Pull us out of the mess, Lord, today. Today, restore that roar in our life. Pull us out of that mess in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I got to tell you, this is so real. We're talking about raising a hallelujah. Just raising up. Sometimes you just have to sing it in the face. I hope you guys do this. When we close on our house in June, this June, a lot of you guys know that we're self-employed too as well. And, uh, and we, you know, business had been solid business had, you know, outside of just normal kind of things and adjustments and stuff had been really solid and, and we felt like this was our season to plant this church. And so, you know, it's one of the benefits that we have because, you know, the church doesn't have to pay me to do what we do and it's awesome. So there's more finances to go around to bless other people and to children's workers and youth ministers and all that stuff. That's the, that's the vision of our church. Um, but um, we got here, we closed that house in June. Um, the funniest thing happened. We had a big shakeup in our Kalamazoo office. Crazy shakeup. This is the first week of June. And not only that, but, but our Pontiac office, our, our manager there had to have emergency bereavement leave, so that left that office really unstable. So we had two unstable offices. Now remember, our office had been stable for five years, okay? Then, to top it off, here's how I knew we were in the middle of an attack, okay? The, the, the manager in our Auburn Hills office her husband had a sudden heart attack. And so all within a two or three day period, we're like, holy cow, this is amazing. So you know what we started to do? We just started to raise a hallelujah. Come on. Just did what you just did right there. We just raised a hallelujah in the middle of it all. You know what? We didn't see an immediate change. We didn't see an immediate results. But I got to tell you something. We're here today. Come on. <laughs> we're here today. We're here today. And you are too. And I don't believe that you're here by accident. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, let me just lead you guys in a prayer. If you are here today and you say, man, 
that's me, Pastor Dino. I'm coming out of my season. I am coming out of my season right now, and I just feel like this is that time. I've been stuck for a while, but I feel like I'm getting unstuck, and I really believe this is my season. Please, with every head bowed and every eye closed, please, no one looking around. This is just for my benefit, so I know how to pray for you and release your faith. If that's you, and you're saying this, that's you in this place, would you raise your hand nice and high so I can see it? Nice and high, nice and high. Wow, that's almost every person in this room. Go put your hands down, put your hands down. I'm gonna ask you to do something else. You say, Pastor Dino, I'm here today, and I just believe that part of being here today, I'm recommitting my life to my purpose, recommitting my life to Christ. I'm gonna give you this opportunity to pray with you. Don't wanna embarrass you. Or if you say you're here today, Pastor Dino, you say, I've never received Christ in my, I don't know what it means to have my name in the Lamb's book of life. I don't know, I've heard about it. I've heard what it meant to be a Christian, but it scared me. I felt like it was religious. I, re I felt like it was going to clamp or cramp my style like I did when I was, when I was 18 years old when I became a Christian. I fought it because I felt like it was going to cramp my style. But it was such a lie. It was such a lie. When you really understand what it means to become a Christian, the life that becomes available to you is so amazing. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Dino, I have never receive Christ in my heart. I want to pray with you. And if you say, Pastor Dino, I'm here today and I'm recommitting my life to my purpose. I'm recommitting my life to God. I've been away. I've allowed this little season that I've been in to keep me away from the things of God. If that's you here today, please, without anybody looking around, every head bowed, put your hand up nice and high so I can see it. All right. Nice and high. Okay, you can put them down. I don't want to embarrass you. There were a ton of hands that went up in this room. Amazing. Amazing. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer of salvation and recommitment. And then we're going to believe God further to get you out of this season that you're in and position you where God wants you to be. This is an amazing time. So pray this, out, pray this prayer out loud with me as a group because we don't want to embarrass anybody in this room. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe you. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And this day... I want my name written in heaven. Jesus, I believe you, that you were raised from the dead, and you died for my sins, and right now I receive you as my Savior. And my name is written in the book. And I'm also here today recommitting my life to my purpose, to the things of God, I'm dreaming again. I'm having joy restored in my life today in Jesus' name. Now, come on. Give the Lord a great shout in this place, guys. Now, I'm just, I've been holding this back. I've been holding this back, but I just have to say this. There's somebody here today over the next 48 hours, you're going to walk into an open door. God, God is going to open a door for you. And it's going to be the Lord who's going to do it. It's not going to be you. But you came today as a believer. And God is going to open a door for you. And within 48 hours, you're going to see your entire financial picture just completely turn around. It's going to be turned upside down. I promise you. I see that so clear. Come on, just worship God for a moment, guys. Just worship. And Lord, we just thank you. And we just worship you. Lord, do what only you can do. Do 
what only you can do in this room, Lord. Lord, touch your people supernaturally. Touch Revolution Church supernaturally, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Come on, give God a great shout. Somebody in this place. Lord, we just thank you. All right, guys, be seated for a second. Just be seated for a second. Um, um, I, always, I want to run through just a couple of quick things. Now, if you prayed that prayer to, to receive Christ in your heart, you received a connection card and that worship guide when you came in. Please do us a favor. In a second, we're going to get ready to take our offering. We believe it. We worship God with our giving, which is the reason why we do it here as part of our service. So fill out that connection card. Tell us about the decision that you made. We're not going to bug you. We're not going to inundate you because we have a no-hassle guarantee here at Revolution. But we want to know about it. We want to be able to join our faith with you. Or if you say, hey, Pastor, you know, that was me. I recommitted my life today. I want to know that too. And on the other side of that connection card is a prayer request. We believe in prayer here. We, we believe in the power of prayer. Prayer does amazing things. And so we're a praying church here. And so fill out the back of that card with your prayer request. We'd love to be able to pray for you as well, okay? So here at Revolution Church, we believe that it is scriptural to worship God with our finances. And we always do it at this section of the service because we believe that it's important for us to hear God's word. It's important for us to sense the Holy Spirit. And then it's also important for us to say, I'm going to worship God with my giving. The Bible says that we worship God with our tithes and with our offerings, giving financially to the kingdom of God. And so here at Life, er, here at Revolution Church, I wanted to share that with you, that when you give into a ministry like this, what you're doing is you're actually making an investment in people's lives. You're helping us making an investment in future leaders and future youth leaders, children's leaders. Right now, Right now, you know, we, you, you have two children's teams going back over there. And, and our heart is for those rooms to be filled with young kids that could be in a wholesome, safe, fun environment, hearing about the things that we're talking about. How many know that's good news, right? And so when you're making an investment, a financial investment in a ministry like this, you're putting in people's lives. Life change happens when we're able to invest in other people's lives. So thank you for being faithful to worship God with your giving. You can do it one of three ways today. You received an envelope when you came in, you can write a check, or you can text to give, or you give online. And we would certainly appreciate the opportunity to for you to be able to sow and to give into this ministry. Is that okay? All right, ushers, you guys ready? Why don't you come down and you can start uh, collecting passing the buckets and while they're doing that i'm just going to go over a few announcements because we're going to let you out of here here in a minute okay um how many of you had your roar restored a little bit today come on 